All right. Well, very good day. Welcome. Welcome to all of you for today's session. Uh, this is about TPS software, and I have invited a guest, Ted Chandro, to the session today. I'm Randy Johnston. We'll get the introductions here in just a minute. But I wanted to talk about this product in terms of its strategic position, because I think it can help you grow and manage your accounting practice. And there's a lot of value in these types of platforms as I see it. But I like the way this one works well. Now, uh, you should know that I've reviewed uh, lots of products, 48 to be actually be exact. So I think I've got a pretty good grasp on the marketplace. But today we're going to focus around how to grow your practice and some of the features you should look at in any of the practice management products that you'd consider out there. We're going to spend some effort around helping you understand practice management features. I am going to also cover a few of the integrations that are in TPS. Not all practice management products have those uh, class of integrations, it turns out. I'd like for you to understand scheduling methodologies. Again, a surprising number of practice management products don't have scheduling at all, but uh, TPS has both calendar and grid views to get this done. And one of the innovations that they've done this year is, is creating a Power BI dashboard that's drillable, which is a really nifty feature. Uh, we're aware of at least two other products that are trying to get there with that type of capability. Uh, this one's a very well done product. So we're going to talk about some of the software changes in TPS, uh, some of the technology options you might have for your firm, and some specific features that you can improve productivity and profitability with, whether you do it on TPS, whether you do it with something else. Part of the reason I like to have you along for these type of sessions is you can learn how things are done in a best practices type of methodology and that there are a lot of strategic features to consider for implementation. I want you to run your practices the way you'd like to run them. And I think, uh, you know, some of these products can really do a good job on that. So again, I'm Randy Johnston out of Hutchinson, Kansas. I've been on the top 25 thought leader list since 2011 and on the Accounting Today top uh, 100 list since 2004. Uh, so I do write technology columns for the CPA practice advisor on a monthly basis. I've written uh, quite a few books, uh, most college level texts through the years. Uh, you know, I have a website at randyjohnston.com. You're certainly welcome to look there. And I am one of two partners in K2 Enterprises, and uh, you can look at our websites for supporting information there. But I have invited along Ted Shandro. Now, I've known Ted for uh, quite a few years, 15 plus probably. And, uh, you know, he's one of the developers and founders on the uh, TPS software product. So, uh, you know, Ted, if you don't mind doing an introduction on yourself, I think that'd be better, please. Sure. Um, I've been doing practice management uh, software for accounting firms, specifically for accounting firms, not lawyers, not anybody else. Uh, actually, since uh, Wang Mini Computers, which is an awful long time. Uh, and then, of course, we went to the IBM XT, DOS, and then, uh, of course, Windows. So I've been dealing with, with accounting uh, time and billing programs for a very, very, very long time. And... Uh, we uh, started up uh, TPS after uh, selling out our other product. Uh, I don't know if I should mention the name who we sold it to. No, I won't. Uh, well, you can. It, it's, okay. it's done. It's in the past. It's like yeah. Lion King. It's in yeah, the past. It was uh, CCH. Uh, you were using the product I originally developed if you were doing it in the early 2000s. Um, and then we started this other one because we felt nobody was really addressing the small to mid-sized business practice. Uh, very well. And so uh, that was the genesis of TPS and we've since moved on and we've ended up uh, getting bigger in, in both uh, practice and uh, practice size that we cater to and the things we do for them. So uh, that's what it yeah. I appreciate the background. In fact, I hadn't heard Wang many computers in a long time. Uh, our listeners today probably should know both of us been around the block once or twice. And, uh, you know, I used to work on what I called IBM and the Seven Dwarfs. And uh, one of my business partners in the 80s was the Wang dealer for Wichita, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, and Spring St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, I've, I've been on those same Wang mini computers probably. But uh, yeah, it's, it was fun being in the 
host mainframes, then down in the mini computers, and then down into local area networks. And I did meet Ted because of that sellout on the CCH practice management product. And, uh, you know, they built, I think, uh, even a superior product. So some of those of you who might be along that are uh, CCH practice management users today, I think this product's matured much more rapidly. Well, just a little bit of background and um, uh, administrative things, and then we'll get into, uh, you know, our discussion today. Uh, obviously, you can listen to our podcast uh, for free, and many of you are on right now listening to us. We appreciate you being here live. We're live uh, twice a week at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesdays and Fridays, and then we're streaming uh, to Facebook and YouTube. Uh, our pa podcasts are designed to do reviews, analysis, and training on topics uh, from the latest and greatest mobile apps to detailed Excel tutorials and so forth. On a lot of products, we will actually do executive interviews like today's session and then we'll demonstrate the product in another session so that's a pretty common strategy for us but we are trying to make sure you've got the latest and greatest technology accounting and business knowledge available to you in this uh, podcast series so uh, earning credits day is quite simple those of you attending live will obviously uh, be able to take our uh, questions as we go and if you're doing it in fact i think the first uh, uh, question is headed your way right now. We'll have four questions over the time together. So the first one should be in and up for you. If you're doing this as a self-study, you'll need to take a short five-question quiz afterward. You will get a completion certificate through K2 Enterprises. Uh, I'm one of the K2 partners, and uh, we're NASBA certified, so this will be uh, NASBA certified CPE. You do have the ability to download the, the uh, presentation deck today, and we would love to have you ask us questions. So, you know, Ted and I are in a position that if uh, we see the question come in, we'll try to handle it. And of course, you can get more information on this course as TPS1, as it turns out today. And if this is your first podcast with us, you can just uh, use the code one free podcast to get uh, credit in future. And uh, of course, since you're listening live, you'll be able to get the credits as we go today. There are going to be four of these questions, one of which is live right now. We try to do one about every 12 to 20 minutes. So you just need to confirm your attendance and the system tracks your response. And so by choosing a response, uh, that confirms it. And uh, I may or may not announce the attendance prompts. I usually have a habit of doing that because we want you to get the credit. You're spending the time here anyway. And we will send that certificate to you uh, if you answer three quarters, 75% of it, usually within two days, sometimes a little quicker. Uh, but in any case, visit uh, the CPE Today site if you have a question on that. And you can see, again, the uh, website in the link below. Now, we also ask you to complete an evaluation immediately after the podcast. I read those uh, and we try to adjust and improve our content every step of the way. Uh, the evaluation should be very short, one to three minutes, we think. Your feedback is so important. We just ask you to take a time to complete that online evaluation. We are absolutely here to help, and we want you to ask away. If you have questions, let us know, and we'll try to handle it the best we can. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll use examples or talk about other experience on that. Uh, further, we know that uh, some of you have experience, knowledge, and insight, and I often pick that up. I, I had a very interesting conversation earlier today with a Thompson practitioner, and we talked about several of the things in the, the practice, uh, the CS suite. So in any case, if you have a technical issues, use the chat or Q&A functionality, ask for help, and our team will try to help you there the best we can. Now, um, beyond that, any product names and logos and brands are the copyright of their respective owners. This session is for educational use only. And the image uh, credits come from either flat icon or unsplash uh, along the way. So we are here to talk about TPS software in specific. And the reason I asked uh, Ted to come along is we believe uh, that TPS understands the professional market and has designed their practice management for exclusively for professional accountants. You kind of heard Ted say that in his introduction. 
uh, as TPS. They've been serving professional accounts for more than 20 years in the U.S. and Canada. They've been at the forefront of technology since its inception. You can hear Wang Mini Computers. Uh, Ted probably doesn't know this about me, but I started programming in 1961. So it's hard to believe I've been programming for over 60 bloody years, Ted, but that's the way it works. And we think TPS is very responsive to the needs of its clients. We believe they have among the best support in the profession today. And, uh, you know, along the way, I just think they're one of the best. So that's the reason I'm happy to talk about them. Now, we believe that as accounting firms, you have many different needs, but three major needs are a simple way to manage time and billing and ways to manage work that needs to be done. And we think it's actually good to get business development managed in a CRM that has a way to analyze that data as well. Now, again, we think there's lots of different things that we could put in here, workflows and portals and you know so forth. I, I probably could name seven features instead of just three. But I wanted to keep it simple enough here, Ted. So yeah, from your perspective, what do you hear people asking for? What do you see as their primary needs when they're trying to uh, manage their firms? Um, I, I think, like you say, it, it varies from firm to firm, and, and you've hit some key points here. Um, from the point of view of how I see it evolving, I see definitely uh, it used to be strictly time and billing management and getting the invoices and, and so forth and getting reports. Uh, definitely the last several years have evolved much more into workflow management, uh, making sure that uh, the jobs are, are, are visible to be done, who's doing them and what stage they're at. The area that we think TPS is leading the way a little bit is uh, the CRM area uh, where that we, uh, stating this, we view accounting firms, generally speaking, I'm not trying to be derogatory here, but we view them as generally being reactive rather than proactive with their clients. And so we believe that using a, a, your client database uh, as a CRM, uh, you can get in front of the clients, uh, in front of what is uh, happening, and uh, it makes them feel more like a more progressive and, and proactive uh, client. So maybe a, a sample of that might be um, maybe a tax law changes that would affect an identifiable, identifiable group of your clients. Um, uh, you could run a, a, a mass mailer or, or emailer um, to those clients and saying, hey, by the way, this tax law has changed. Um, you know, you should be aware of it and take advantage of it. Whereas a reactive firm would wait till the year end, they brought in their data and then say, oh, by the way, you could have taken advantage of this last year. So just getting in front of your clients ahead of time and being more proactive with them, uh, we believe is a is, is part of a, the best practice way to go. Yeah, it makes great sense, Ted. In fact, I'm thinking here in context of the, uh, you know, major law that was signed off this past week in the U.S., there are going to be pretty notable tax law changes in there as I've been trying to understand all the implications and some will affect businesses and some will affect individuals. So that's certainly implied. And I think you know me well enough. I've been promoting workflow in CPA firms for, you know, actually at this point, right at 30 years. I think I started pushing on that pretty hard about 1992. And I know that it makes um, partners more profitable, less balls get dropped. And frankly, there's less pressure inside the office. So that was part of the reason I picked that workflow too. And I, I would say in the last 18 months on the technology consulting I've done into CPA firms, uh, workflow and portals and, uh, you know, the basic ease of use for client experience and team member experience because of the fairly large scale um, well, we'll call it great resignation, great retirements that are happening. Sure. There seems to be less and less talent available for a lot of CPA firms. In fact, I had that one of those calls this morning also, and uh, it was pretty clear that the technology might be a lever for us in this area. Now, I consider really time and billing to be quite fundamental, but I'm appalled, uh, at least I will maybe say this statistically, 
Uh, for eight years, I've run an accounting firm operations and technology survey, which is statistically valid across the U.S. market. And uh, I'm amazed how many firms don't even have time and billing software. They're trying to run bills out of their tax software or they're mocking them up in a Word document or they're trying to do it out of QuickBooks or something else. And, you know, to me, time and billing is, is pretty fundamental. Now, I think all, you will appreciate um, I still actually keep time even though a lot of people say, throw away the timesheet. I keep time because it allows me to cost my activities. And I was current to the minute when I, you know, got ready to do this podcast today. And that, that has through the years paid off very well. We'll talk more about that a little later in the session, but, you know, billing for all the services rendered, even if a task only takes a couple of minutes is a pretty big deal. Um, uh, both Gary Boomer and I suggested uh, quite some time ago in the, in the past, he and I actually agreed on the principle that if you don't track time and bill it almost right away, the value of the billing diminishes greatly after the service is performed. Yep. And if you don't keep track of time as it goes, it's easy to have a lot of time slip out. We estimated 25% uh, through the years. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is that, you know, the vendor's uh, products are sometimes clumsy to keep track of those things. So, you know, what have you observed in this billing approach, Ted? Well, uh, getting back to just from the point of view of time and billing and, and, and other people telling you to throw away your timesheets and stuff. The fundamental problem with time and billing, implementing it is, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never met anybody who likes doing their timesheet. It's one of those things nobody really likes to do, uh, but you got to get over it. But many, many, many of our current clients come to us because they they went to the value bill type approach. And we can define value bill approach where they're just uh, stating a fee. But at the end of the day, they're often saying, well, I don't know really how much money I made on this or not. I know I'm working hard, but I don't really know. So it all gets back to how much resources is your firm putting into any particular job that you're doing second thing i talk to several hundred accounting firms a year and what i see pretty much right across north america is people don't care if you use a a time clock a stopwatch type of recording uh, if you keep a scratch pad if you enter it throughout the day but pretty much the rule of thumb right across north america is guys before you shut off your computer and go home you should have your timesheet entered. If you don't, for sure, you're forgetting time. Uh, you're you're not recording stuff. So um, I, again, I will emphasize them that if you use a stopwatch or clock, it does require a lot of discipline. It might be the best way to enter time, but it's very difficult for a lot of people. So many firms are just happy the fact that they do enter it daily. Uh, if you get interrupted a lot, um, a stopwatch, we try to build it uh, so that in our particular program, so that you can get interrupted, start, start, repeat, start, repeat multiple times. But it, it is a bit of a pain uh, for many, many people who lack that discipline uh, to do that. Yeah, that, that, that makes good sense, Ted. And, you know, I've actually taught people lots of different mechanical tricks to, to capture time that way. And, you know, I'm probably a little less worried about the granularity, although I've illustrated in our presentation with two minutes. But I also know that I had to have the time to do my costing. And further, uh, you know, I notice on myself, I pick up hundreds. I, I think it might be a little overstatement to say thousands of dollars a week. But I clearly pick up hundreds of dollars a week. So let's keep it simple and say it's only $200 times 52. It's not a lot of money, but that's money that would have gone out the door. And when mm -hmm. you take, take my team of 40 people, if... <laughs> 40 times, you know, a couple hundred dollars per hour, you know, that's, that's real money, I think. Yeah. So now the other thing too, is keeping invoices simple, unless they're asked for details that you, we think that's pretty important. Just a summary invoice. Most clients trust you. They, they get it. We're not lawyers detail billing, but if they want the details, you know, being able to do that's important and you should have the details readily available if you're specifically asked for them but most clients won't bother you for that uh so that again we think good summary invoices are fine and then you know if they call and have a question you can pop it up and say oh yeah let me send you a detail invoice or let me talk to you about the details yeah, but we, 
Go ahead. If I could add to that, uh, Randy, you're absolutely right. Most accounting firms uh, will send a paragraph style invoice out and if details are necessary, of course, to follow. Now, we, we still come across a number of people, not a lot, but a number of people that do the detail. We call it the legal invoice where they list everything. And part of, I think, the reason is psychological, they don't want to argue with the client. So if they show everything that's there, that's fine. But fundamentally, what differentiates an accounting firm from a law firm is when an accounting firm looks at the whip and makes a billing decision they write it up or write it down they fully expect to get 100 percent of that bill back a law firm will throw everything and the kitchen sink at you and then argue about the bill after the fact so that's why law firms detail it and and makes them fundamentally different than the way an accounting firm tends to operate that's a that's good insight, and I appreciate that. And you know, bottom line here is we think it's you know good to clearly communicate with your clients and bill for that communication time as well. And so again, we're not saying run your practice this way. We're just making some suggestions. But I can tell you that, uh, you know, last week I completed a tech assessment, and the client confirmed that they received the you know written uh, report on the assessment. And I had generated the bill with all associated uh, time captured within 10 minutes after the client confirmed it. And they had the bill within 15. That's so, cool. and, and by the way, they paid, paid the bill within 24 hours. Right. So, you know, again, I'm not asking people to pay quickly, but I do note that when we bill quickly, we tend to get paid more rapidly and so forth. And again, not today. You've done this in your product with at least two features that I'm aware of, but on another day, you know, we could talk a lot more about how to incorporate payment, you know, delivery of work product and payment of product and all that. That's all a big deal. But we are quite cognizant of the impacts of underbilling. You know, if you set an undervalued price point for yourself and everybody else in the industry, that's bad. I, I actually went through the accounting today survey of the rates charged for tax returns considered putting that in here because it was so appalling but i've got it in my tax workflow uh course this year uh i am just amazed at how cheap tax returns are done in this this country and it re leads actually to a misconception you're not as skilled as your competitors most cpas that i know are quite skilled and uh, and frankly it also forces you to take on more clients to be profitable. At least that's one of the levers that often happens. So when I listen to people working too hard, I actually question if they're charging enough or, you know, what the factor is that's causing them to work so bloody hard. Yeah, you know. So do you see other impacts of underbilling, Ted? Yeah, I think I think part of it, though, could be addressed by uh, what we call realization reports. Um, and again, it's basically, you know, your your whip is hours times your charge out rate that gives you whip at standard, but can you build a whip at standard? So if you're taking a markdown, your realization's impacted. But what we built into our software, um, by the way, everybody should run that at least once a year in their clients to see which clients are under billing on. However, another way to analyze it is to have your work uh, identifiable work type set up so that you can go down and you can say, well, you know, I'm, I'm making good money on reviews, uh, uh, not 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 doing really well in tax consultation or 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 uh, compilation work. So I don't think a lot of people analyze. They subjectively know where they're making more money, and sometimes they have to take on work that they know is not very profitable to keep the client. But I don't think they analyze it. And what I'm seeing now a little bit is you get some boutique practices that have realized that and focus on the areas they know they can make the most money on. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, while you're talking about that, I'm going to go ahead and launch the second question of the day, which the following billing features are included in TPS. Detailed bills, summary bills, value-added bills are all of the above. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we haven't told you the details about the products, but, you know, uh, Ted, I know you've got more than this inside your your product style and so forth. Obviously, we've talked about the the detailed bills uh, capability. Um, but you know, I will just set this conversation up by saying I was recently in a firm uh, within the last four weeks of this this podcast where the partners uh, didn't understand their realization by client. 
and they had some really good clients with realization numbers that were pathetic who also were collection problems and it's like so explain to me why you think this is a good client you know when i was going through some of that detail with them and you know it was kind of a uh uh a conversation but uh you know today i i believe that you know detailed bills we try to really recommend you use summary bills or some sort of a value added or flat rate billing. Are there other billing types that are inside uh, TPS, Ted? Well, yes, in the sense, how you do a detailed bill really determines the reports you get back. So an example I'll use, and I often pose this question to accounting firms that I'm dealing with, um, is uh, you've got three people working on a file. Two of them did a good job. One of them kind of didn't do a very good job. Would you ever consider allocating the write down to the person that didn't do a good job? And I would have to say that often draws a long pause and probably 90% maybe have thought about it, but didn't realize the impact it would have. So um, and again, you're talking firms mostly above 10 or 15 people because they use they tend to use more employee metrics on that. If you've got three people in your firm, you kind of know how good everybody is and where they're going. So, but, but still, yeah. it, it's a way to do it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we've talked about that, Ted, with firms where compensation models are driving behaviors and notice yeah. if, if in fact you've got people whose skills need to be improved, if it affects their compensation, maybe it'd help yeah. there. So uh, I did notice Arden, your question about the, uh, uh, CPE question. So our team will handle that on the side there for you. So I just want to call out that we believe the correct answer here is all the above. And there's actually more methodologies uh, inside TPS as it turns out. But, you know, part of what we are hoping to accomplish in our time with you today is we want to talk a little bit about how to manage firm work, because remember, we're trying to help you grow your practice profitably. And I think good management software helps your team be more productive, your team will make fewer mistakes. It'll increase your billable hours. And I think you can serve clients better and meet the deadlines that are out there. You know, I uh, watch a lot of firms frantically struggle with due dates. And I think it's vitally important in this post-pandemic uh, remote work world. Actually, uh, you know, associate of mine sent me a very interesting article on uh, the uh, quitting while working issue that's going on where people are actually doing remote work, but they're trying to do as little work as possible without getting fired. Uh, it was really a fascinating article. I read the whole bloody thing saying, oh, that would explain a lot. In any case, but practice management software should help you build, manage, and complete your workflows in a timely basis. And there are several good competitors to TPS that are doing that workflow well. And I, you know, I admire what they're doing because Getting the work in and getting it out the door on a, in a timely fashion is a big deal in firms. And your practice management should track, you know, your client workflow, your due date, the team tasks, the calendars, everything in one place in my mind. And there's so few products that do that well today. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Ted, do you have other observations? I mean, we've got three slides worth of managing firm yeah, work. But... Yeah, I think uh, the other thing that... Uh people aren't seeing that very often in workflow is um, I use the term capacity planning so that you can see what jobs are assigned to an individual for, for example, a given month and see how many hours those jobs are. Now, it's not really precise because, uh, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of other person's time in there as well, but it gives you a very close approximation of it. Um, you know, getting back to one of your earlier comments on uh, the hard work and anxiety that uh, accounts feel, um, the one thing that I've, uh, I've heard repeatedly that will wake an accountant up in the middle of the night is, holy crumb, did I forget to do miss this deadline? And so that's why due dates are, are probably the most critical from a pay point of view, but from a management point of view, workflow uh, sort of becomes more and more important. But the first step is I never want to miss a deadline that's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's a great perspective on that, Ted. And, you know, I have been teaching in our tax workflow course this year, capacity planning, so people can actually have the right number of people to get the work done without killing themselves. That's really the way I talk about that. And, you know, I've done that with my own uh, operation for quite a number of years. Uh, 
people can't understand why our realization is so high and how our people actually work normal work weeks. So, you know, there's some other things we think that practice management software should do, and it should allow tasks to be assigned to specific employees, you know, be able to pool work or push it to somebody with the right talent here. And then once the tasks are complete, they should be automatically sent to the next employee for approval to complete the next step in the process just happens. And, uh, you know, you, you don't get that, for example, uh, in something like uh, a Thompson's practice CS checklist. It's just they don't have that capability. Well, we, we took a, a different approach of virtually everybody that uh, out there, and you would know better than I do, when employee A finishes a job, if they have this ability, they send an email to employee B. We said, no, we get way too many emails anyways. So we have a little a notification uh, area in our, in our desktop that lets the employee know they have it. But what we did on that is we also put in the thing so we know they've read it. So if you send an, an email and that person didn't read it, that job's not getting done. So we have it there so we can also monitor whether or not they read that next step in the, in the job. You know, um, I, I, I thought I knew your product pretty well, but I actually didn't know about the actually Reddit uh, thing. And, you know, a rule yeah. I've applied for a long time. If your workflow is working right in a firm, you don't need email inside the firm. Email is for communicating outside the firm. And I suspect a bunch of our listeners today are sending emails inside the firm. How about this? How about that? How about this? That mm -hmm. should all be in your workflow if you've got the right workflow system. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah. that's almost a little overstated, but you get the attitude. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I was going to mention about um, what tasks should be assigned specific employees. I see this when they set up their, their, their jobs, projects, engagements, whatever you want to call them, that it varies a little bit, but for the most part, the jobs are set up on a recurring basis, monthly, quarterly, or yearly, and they don't assign the employees ahead of time, by and large, because they don't know when they're there. And I think that's the most common, uh, where I see them pre-signing employees, uh, an accounting firm will have a specific bookkeeper, so fine, assign the employee specifically that bookkeeper, and you can do it. But it, it usually, one of the key components of the, of the workflow module is having a box date received. When did it come in? Because at that point, you're now going to find out if there's missing work. And at that point, somebody's got to manage it to assign it to an employee. Um, so that's kind of an important part. The due dates will tell you what's there, but now you've got a little bit of work to do to make sure you've, you've monitored that it's been received and, and then that it's been assigned. Yeah, in fact, I've spent a lot of effort in the last 18 months around PBC automation, portal automation, and you have, I've concluded years ago that you're far better off having all the documentation before you start engagement or a project, but it's it's a trouble to get it in from the clients. I mean, it that's a devil of a thing to to manage. In fact, we like software that's added the auto nag feature that it, you know, follows up with the client for you automatically and nags them about getting what you'd requested. Yeah. But, you know, this whole issue about practice management, being able to understand the workflow of a task, who's responsible for each step, because that's another piece that's important here as we see it. You know, you got to have accountability. So you got to have somebody responsible and, you know, practice management software, we think should also include a real clean workflow audit trail. Uh, you know, again, this more of a management issue. Are there other things in this area, Ted, that you think are important to note? Well, I think one area that I think we do well in TPS is our, our linkage to two emails after having said everything that we don't want more emails. What happens if you're analyzing a particular job? And it's not going right. You're, okay, so you're not going to analyze a job that went right. <laughs> so you're going to go look at it, analyze a job that didn't go right. One of the questions is, what did the employee do to make to rectify the situation? And I would want to look at all the emails that were related to that job. And that's something we've done in TPS so that did the employee ask for the stuff that made him wait for six days? You know, th that kind of thing. So uh, we are kind of, giving you a better background, not just an audit trail, but an audit trail showing as well any emails that might have occurred uh, on the client on the particular job. 
Yeah, and a little later in our time together, we're going to talk about how Outlook, you know, plays into this. So you got a two-way synchronization into that. So you can pick up those emails pretty seamlessly, which is a big deal. And realistically, uh, we like automatic time tracking capabilities. You know, there's a lot of passive timers out there and you've got a very a variety of timers in your product. But we think... Uh, that allows us to get billing thresholds to be applied and we can manage labor hours or costs by clients. Cause you know, uh, once all the work's done, it's a heck of a time to try to manage the costs of a project that's going to have overruns. You know, you need to know mm -hmm. as you're going. And mm -hmm. we, we understand that time tracking really helps analyze how long the projects are taking. And if those projects are, you know, well, I'll say worth the time, but, you know, if there's going to be overruns and we think it also helps play a critical role in identifying the employees that needs the most help. See, sometimes, you know, we haven't trained an employee enough and we're, we actually can spot uh, deficiencies in their skill sets and train them. And having done tech assessments in firms for 40 plus years, it is real, real common almost a hundred percent of the time that I find that there's a lack of training in firms. And if you train more, you get that, that effort back if the mm -hmm. training's being done right. So this training's a big deal and really it helps manage employee resources by more accurately and correctly estimating the time need for each project or each step. You know, the, the more you pay attention to this, the more accurate you are, the better you can do your capacity planning. And just in general, uh, you you just put less stress on your firm because you've got realistic expectations among your team members this way. Well, what what we've done, and I'm sure other other ones have done it well, is you can put a threshold in in a particular job. So if you want to be notified when the job's hit fifty percent of what you feel it should be, or seventy five percent, it's a good way to intercept some of those things before they go too wonky. Uh, now. Again, I, I might not su suggest doing it for all small jobs, but certainly for the mid or bigger jobs, you want to do that because it's more painful on those uh, than if somebody took 15 minutes longer to do W-2. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm with you on that. So, so as it turns out, one of the uh, things that you've done inside your product is you've got your workflows that's really color-coded by employee or potentially and then has kind of a calendar view which is kind of an interesting way to do things. And that you've also uh, done kind of this traditional grid view of steps, more of an Excel style. And then an additional thing that I think you added in the last oh, 12 months or so uh, was a synchronization into Exchange and Outlook. So not only did you have it inside TPS, but it was also an Exchange and Outlook, which means you could have it on your cell phone when you're outside of the office. Right. So, so what, in, in blue, yes. overlay the talk workflow. About, sorry about stepping on you on that, but talk to us a little bit about how this evolved and why those different approaches. Well, the, the workflow calendar looks at what it exactly is assigned to each employee and it gives you a rough idea of capacity planning and when they've got to get the job done. And so we did a couple of things. We put, yes, the job is due on a certain due date, but when do I expect this employee to be finished with it? Um, now, more so the partners uh, tend to, pre-COVID anyways, um, have a lot of appointments, tax appointments, or just phone appointments in there. And so they're always shuffling back between their, 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 their own workflow calendar and what appointments they have. So what we did is we built the ability to overlay the Outlook calendar over top of that individual's uh, workflow calendar. Um, one other feature, if I may mention it, uh, Randy, in the grid uh, look that we put in is the number of days since it's been in. So what we found is a lot of firms, specifically with tax returns, will have sort of a FIFO method uh, on their 1040s so that they want a, a tax return out the door in 10 days. So what we would do is we'd filter on 1040s that are incomplete that have been in more than 10 days. So we have the number of days they've been in uh, so that none of those sort of slip through the cracks. We've gone further, like we can say how long is employee one had it, how long is employee two had it, those kind of things. But I think more importantly is just making sure we don't have a job that sit there that somebody forgot to continue on. Yeah, your analysis in the uh, view here is pretty good and the filters can be, you know, uh, set up and saved and so forth. So there's lots of interesting 
management capabilities here. So instead of having, and, and we're not against having weekly briefing, you know, update meetings, but it makes the meetings a lot more short as we see it. And further, mm -hmm. you can actually handle things throughout the week and keep things moving along. So it certainly changes the style here quite a little bit. So I was quite pleased to see some of this. Now, the other thing that I know you uh, threw inside this uh, product in the past year or so was this step-by-step -step task completion methodology. And this was quite different than your old style of doing it. So what were you trying to accomplish here? Well, I think people were expecting when they saw a workflow to create the I'll call it the job again or the project. And then what steps did they want to monitor uh, as progression? Uh, and, and part of those steps mirrored when it would be passed on to the next person, not necessarily, but could be. So they wanted a step-by-step -step, uh, tick box to say this part of it was done. And then we can go look at, uh, for example, how far are we along in all the compilations? How far are we along in all the payrolls? and having a tick box. Now, the only thing I would, again, um, caution people is don't get carried away. Don't, don't have 27 steps. It's not a, shouldn't be a, a how-to necessarily. It should be uh, milestones within that particular job that you're doing. You gotta remember that every time you ask somebody to tick a box or to change something, it increases the possibility of an error by them not doing it. And it requires more management internally. And we're very cognizant of this because we tend to deal with smaller firms, the mid-sized firms, that don't have a full-time administrator or full-time manager to cross-check everybody's work. So uh, I think this just makes it very nice so they can, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a slide on it, but we can see a grid view. I can see all my payrolls and see what sta stage each one's on, how many tick boxes they got. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense, Ted. So I appreciate that because you're right. I think uh, if I'd have, in retrospect, I would have caught one of those. That would have been good. So let's get a, another poll question in. And uh, that's which of the following work management features are included in TPFs? Due date tracking, team tasks, time tracking. Now on this, I think you've heard us speak enough to those. And there's way more. Uh, you know, one of the things that's hard to picture is just how broad this product is in its capability. And, uh, you know, and, and great, you guys jumped right on that question this time. It looks like all of you have answered. But uh, since all of you have answered, I think I'll just scroll this on up and say, we think the right answer is all of the above. And that's probably appropriate way to think about that. Now, uh, I know we've got a Ted, continue to manage our time here. And uh, I hate to say, but we're we're on slide 30 of 46, and we've only got about 15 minutes left to go. Uh, we're not going to rush uh, because there's so much more that could be said. But I think, um, you know, some of the slides at the end are management slides, so we don't have a, a, a ton that we have to get through. But this topic is near and dear to my heart, and I think it is to yours, too. Uh, CRM is a four-letter word in most CPA firms. And uh, really, we're just talking about managing business development. And, you know, it's more than just the rainmakers and it's more than the admins. To me, this is a, a blend of contact management and lead management and being able to do forecasting and maybe getting reports and dashboards. And if you're a little larger, getting, you know, uh, niche reporting and, and uh, service line uh, needs reported out, but also being able to do sales analytics and then further going over on into marketing automation. We see way too many firms spending money on things like HubSpot or, or uh, you know, uh, Infusionsoft or things like that that are very expensive trying to do all this marketing automation when, frankly, you can work your own client base this way. So lots of things play together here in this Salesforce casting, mobile, sales data, and so forth. So uh, I know that the firms that I have do business development with CRM systems generally see increases in their practice year over year over year, and they see increased partner profitability. But what, what do you see from your experience, Ted? Well, again, I, I, I think it's almost bereft in the accounting world to have CRM uh, capabilities or use. Uh, very few firms, and again, it goes back a little bit, we talked about earlier, moving accounting firms from being reactive 
to becoming proactive. And if you don't have a CRM capabilities, it becomes very difficult to do. Um, and I'm going to pile on on a slightly different uh, piece because a lot of consultants to profession are recommending something like Salesforce CRM. That's a bad idea as I see it. I, I, I am so against that. And, you know, I respect the consultants that are saying those things. They get the concept, but they've got the wrong bloody tool. And there's two or three different products that, you know, can work as CRMs that work with systems. But I like your style where it's kind of built in and it naturally extends the, the practice management database and keeps separate clients versus leads or contacts. And, you know, it actually allows referral tracking and some of that stuff too. So, you know, again, to me, it's one place to manage this stuff. And, you know, people often will ask, well, how do you remember that person's name or how do you know that? Well, I've been running CRM databases uh, when I first designed ACT, the contact manager, since 1982. Wow. And so, you know, when somebody wants a name, it's like, yeah, I remember that. Sometimes I remember it from up here, but sometimes I remember it from right here. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, oh, yeah, I know that person. Oh, yeah, I see where they and I can see where they've been and all that. And so many of you have deep relationships with your clients. But I think it's even more helpful to have a deep relationship. And I'll just pick on a simple thing. You know, a lot of times you have your client, but you have the spouse of the client and all their children and where they're going to school. And when you have a conversation with the client, you say, well, how's your son or daughter doing now that they went to the university three weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And you, you, when you say that a few times, people are taken back saying, well, you, how'd you remember that? Right. Well, you told me about it, right? Yeah. Well, so, I, again, one thing that was um, very popular and um is keeping the the contact's birthday in there? Uh, yeah, very. That's popular. been around for that's been around for a while, but but we do that, of course. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think you're 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 spot on if you can have that personal feel with the client. They 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 feel you're right on top of the whole situation. Yeah, and I you know I apologized to a client earlier today because they'd had their fiftieth wedding anniversary, and I didn't know it. And it's like, you know, if I had known that, I'd have made it a big deal. I apologize because, you know, it was an important client to me and I should have known. And somehow it just slipped through the cracks on me. It was even worse. I remembered their 25th anniversary, but I didn't get the bloody anniversary in my database when that happened. And so it's like, what was I thinking? I was on drugs. I was not functioning. Some, in any case. Well, see, I really part of the reason, Ted, I ask you to join is, you know, I've looked at lots and lots of practice management products for the profession. And, you know, I know that you get the fundamentals right on time and billing, but I think you also do well on managing clients and staff. And I think firms that use your software tend to see improvements in productivity. And I think partners have the information to, uh, you know, just make better business decisions. Uh, what have you seen in your base through the years on what your software has done inside practices? Well, I think, as you say, the, the biggest change is, is trying to monitor more uh, metrics on uh, both employees, their productivity, their realizations, and and of course the the workflow aspect of it. Um, are we assigning the right people to the right jobs? And, and like you mentioned before, most of the problem is under trained staff. So that's where that's where the the jobs tend to go sideways. Not always, but yeah, I would say the vast majority of the cases. And uh, um, I don't see. Uh, concerted effort, and this is probably where a consultant like yourself would come in, is um, explain to them that they got to train their staff properly to do the jobs, otherwise you're not going to get the return. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I spend a lot of time on service offerings too, because sometimes they, you know, the firms are just missing good service offerings. But, you know, I did want to just uh, pull a few of these things quickly uh, together. Uh, you know, your, your, uh, business and your product has been innovative year over year over year for quite a little while but you know it's it's like you guys you know you ate a lot of pizza and you know kept people after hours and you know drank a lot of 
uh, you know, Red Bull or something in this past <laughs> year, because, uh, you know, you seem to have created a lot of the interesting additions to the product, doing a true bi-directional QuickBooks integration. Now, there's others that say they have such a thing, uh, some very expensive products, but uh, I haven't found one that's as good as yours if your firm's going to use QuickBooks for the, you know, background accounting. Can and I, then can, the analytics. QBO, I just want to make that clear. It's QuickBooks Online. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for making sure I said that. I, I should have said it just that way too. And then number two, the Power BI dashboards that you've created in your product are quite good. You know, there's others that are trying to get this done, but I don't think any of them have them as far along as you do at this point. Of course, reporting has been a strength inside your platform for a long time and the advanced reporting you've got is quite interesting. Uh, a lot of client history and work codes and workflow, obviously, we've been talking about that. The calendar and scheduling, we've been talking about that. And, and something that seems pretty mundane, and you actually used the words earlier, client mass mailing and emailing. Mm -hmm. So you can actually choose how you uh, deliver you know, uh, marketing messages uh, along the ways. So, you know, uh, I would like to have you maybe talk about a few of these things, but I wanted our sure. listeners to get a chance to see you know, this QBO is true bi-directional and it is pretty phenomenal how it works. And, uh, you know, as it turns out that, uh, you know, the new Power BI dashboard is something else. And of course, you've got that client information that's, you know, able to be pushed back and forth, including email, like we talked about earlier, and invoices and statements and so forth. So, you know, along the way, uh, I just thought I'd give you a chance maybe to uh, address those. And um, we do have a question on your software, which I'm going to hold for just a minute, uh, Arden, and uh, we will cover it before we get done. But I've got your question. So, any case, Ted, on these uh, features, any one in particular that uh, might uh, benefit from additional explanation? Um, well, the, the QBO, as you said, I think we did a better job. So not only do you synchronize your, your clients, but what it does is you, you still have to bill out of TPS because when you're billing, you're identifying WIP items. Uh, and it sends the receivable transaction into QBO. But what we also did is convert those WIP items to something called items in QBO. So backgrounds there, and the, the payment can be received by QuickBooks and it'll flow back into TPS or vice versa. So from that perspective, it is truly bidirectional. Um, the, uh, the other one that I think that's really cool, and I don't know if we're the only ones out there, maybe somebody else has it, but what we did, we, we, our program sort of cracked the code. You saw the overlay of uh, the Outlook calendar over top of the workflow. They, they found something and what we're able to do is if you send an email out of Outlook or Gmail to ABC company from Outlook, TPS knows enough to duplicate that email and bring it into TPS. The, the feedback we're getting on that is probably our biggest feedback because you can go into a client, you can see every email that was sent by any of your staff, you can see any responses. And why I think this is proving most popular is many of us have wasted time trying to keep an email thread together. And there it is. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. In fact, I actually just scrolled onto the next screen to kind of emphasize that. You're, this, this discovery that you've done for bi-directional linking to Microsoft Office and uh, 365 Outlook is pretty interesting, not to mention the full client portal and uh, online payment mechanisms that you have. I think you've got a couple of payment mechanisms today, if I recall correctly, and more in the pipeline, or at least one today and more in the pipeline. We've got four. Four. Okay, four. So keep moving faster than I can keep up with you. So <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to go on forever there because you could keep adding and adding and adding, but I think yeah. we're, we're trying to identify the, the, the key ones that, that uh, will work. Yeah. So, you know, the next piece uh, that I just want to cover, and I know we're going to manage our time just a little bit here because I've got another question. I want to answer Arden's question, too. Uh, probably we'll do it in this context. One thing to not be distracted by, I think TPS may be among the best value practice management products in the marketplace today. Now, there's a lot of vendors out there that are selling their product at $10, $15, $20 an hour, uh, but 
the the nine dollar an hour per user or sorry nine dollar per user per month products aren't even close to what's in this product at ten dollars and by the time you look at the features in the pro version or the ultimate version of this product it's a phenomenal value the twenty dollar ultimate product is comparable to what i see in most 50 and 90 dollar per user per month products and so again i'm not going to uh, unnecessarily name a lot of products because again you can do your own research on that but if you're seeing products that are 50 dollars per user per month they're probably less capable in general than this product at 20 dollars. so so don't be fooled by excellent value because you know a lot of us say you get what you pay for and in this case, you get way more than you pay for in my mind on TPS. So Arden, to your point, the product works in two different, there's two different versions. There's the traditional premise-based TPS, and then they have their Cloud Access Pro, which is doing uh, you know, most of the heavy lifting today. So the software is web-based. And the question, Ted, was, is the software web-based or is there a download portion to it? No, it's strictly web-based. Yeah, that's what I thought was the correct answer. So strictly web-based, Arden, is the answer on that. So, you know, uh, that brings us to the fourth question here. Which of the following analysis features are included in TPS? Advanced reporting, analytics using Microsoft Power BI, client history work codes and workflow are all of the above. Now, Ted, you know, historically, we've talked a lot about your advanced reporting. We didn't talk much about it today. Can you just comment on that while people are trying to figure out the answer? Yeah, I think when you first uh, look at our product, you'll see close to 400 standard reports and you think these guys are brilliant. It's not that. It's because we've been doing this so darn long. Every time a client asks for a new report, we include it. So over the years, we've developed just a whole lot of reports. And that's one of the things we respond to clients. Um, uh, they say they want a particular report. Uh, you know, we talk about it, is it specific to this client or would, the, would everybody gain from it? And if everybody gains from it, we'll, we'll include it in the report. So we ended up with just a lot of reports uh, in yeah. the program. And you know, uh, one of the attitudes on some of the big publishers is they charge you for the custom reports. And I think your attitude has always been, does it make sense? Oh yeah, we'll build it and provide it to everybody. So, but I was actually even more impressed by the way your Power BI maybe enabled a whole lot of, I'll call it visual reporting and drill down to the transactions, which again, uh, I, I only know of your product and one other doing that right now. And so as it turns out, uh, you know, there's one add-on tool that's trying to do that. So, you know, kind of there you are. Well, so I think the correct answer here looks to be uh, all of the above. And I hope what you've done over our hour or so together is you've learned that uh, TPS is really an, an easy way uh, uh, to, the product is easy to learn. And it's an easy way to manage your practice. The time entry in the product is real simple to eliminate fields you don't use. Uh, and they give clock or batch entries with search features. The billing is uh, a fresh, clean format for quick billing and selective markups and markdowns. The invoices are, in fact, all the different forms inside this are uh, editable in Word, and then you can send them out in PDF format. And you can look up all that client activity at a glance from workflow to email to everything all in one place. You just heard about the advanced reporting with 400 reports with filtering. Uh, they supply how-to training videos on each screen. And again, this new trick that they've learned on keeping client emails with every client, it's a big deal as I see it. So, you know, today what we've tried to teach you, not only about TPS, but about practice management in general is just ways to manage projects engagements with the usable workflow. And I think it's important that as partners and managers, you can see conveniently the status of engagements or projects or, or jobs and take corrective action. Uh, we probably could, could have maybe should have spent more time on the Power BI reporting to provide details on operating your firm effectively and why that two-way integration with Outlook and QuickBooks can save time and errors. And, you know, I'm looking forward to a, a time where we can run the uh, 
platform here on the CPA, CPE Today webcast so people can see how it runs interactively. Or as I know, Ted, you, you and your team do demonstrations all the time. So you'd be happy to do a one-off demonstration for attendees as well. So that said, uh, you know, again, we uh, thank you, Ted, for being along and uh, your responses and insights. I've learned new stuff from you, which I should have known. Uh, in fact, I think in our hour, I think I learned five new things from you. And it's like, huh, didn't know that, didn't know that. So now tomorrow I can act like I've known it for 40 years and it'll all be good. <laughs> well, but in any case, Andy. so remember, yeah. yeah, please have you along. So for those of you who are here, just make sure that you've answered those four questions. It looked like most of you did get that done. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening to this in a after the fact mode, make sure you take that short five question uh, quiz and you'll get a certificate from us through our uh, through k2 enterprises remember you can pick up the materials uh, and uh, you can look for the course code but if this is your first uh, podcast that you're listening to use that one free podcast coupon code we're out on youtube uh, facebook instagram twitter follow us on those media and our uh, podcasts are live on apple podcasts and spotify and google podcasts and soundcloud and you know what? We look forward to having you back again in another podcast in the not too distant future. So we appreciate your time today and we are so pleased to have you along. If you've got questions, let us know. We'll try to handle them as well. Thanks again, Ted. Thank you. Good day, Good day to all.